Bienvenidos todos y todas, chicos y chicas, a un nuevo episodio. I'm just kidding. I've been watching just a few too many telenovelas. This is the Hockey Strength Podcast, the official podcast of SCAP, the Strength Conditioning Association of Professional Hockey. My name is David Rosales, and today I'm joined for, I think, the third, maybe the fourth time I've interviewed him. It is Mr. Devin Connell. Who is Devin, aside from one of my former mentors and former boss and now good friend? Devin is the high-performance director of the Arizona Coyotes in the National Hockey League. I believe this, I'm going to get this wrong, I think it's his fourth season there. Before that, he's worked with the New Jersey Devils, at also at the NHL level, and UMass Lowell at the college level. So he has a breadth of experience across pretty much every level with hockey. Although Devin is, is best, probably best well-known for his, his sports science work, in this episode, we go some different directions. We talk more high level. We talk about his kind of the origin story, how he how he was interested in strength conditioning. I, I like these origin stories because these guys didn't just wake up with NHL jobs. We talked about leadership and how the leadership skills required for the high performance direct position. I also put him on the spot with some questions you definitely haven't heard him answer elsewhere about how to have uh, how to be a really good strength conditioning coach and also have your prioritize your personal life. And also we talked some fun stuff about parenting and then we talked about books. So this is a fun episode. It's always really great to catch up with Devin and I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. So without further ado, here is Devin McConnell. All right, we're starting this episode in media res because Devin and I were just talking before recording. Um, just about like just catching up and 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 hearing about what, what's been going on in each other's lives. So. Uh, I was going to ask Devin this question, just figure out how to hit record first. So when did you, like, when did you first catch the strength conditioning bug? Like, was it, was it at boils or, or did it come? Was there something before? What was that like moment or experience where like, oh, this could be like a really cool career path for me? Yeah. I mean, I, I think when I look back at like my life and, and my experiences and how sort of my progression, how I got here, I mean, I was really interested in training as even like as a kid not that I knew what S&C was or anything or, or knew what I was doing but just as, as a like I was a goaltender and I remember my goalie coach when I was younger like he really advocated for like um like boxing type training for goalies like not in the ring but like like I had a speed bag and like a heavy bag and all this stuff and so like I was always into training and then as I got into high school we had a really good um, like strength and conditioning class that I was in. And again, I was in it because it was PE. So I got to be in, in like PE more than other kids, which was great. But also like I was a relatively good hockey player at that point. So like I was into training to get better at hockey. And so I really enjoyed, I, I fell into it. I enjoyed training, um, but I didn't really like get into or, or think about SNC as like a career. I didn't even know it could be a career really until um, midway through my undergraduate program, like I ended up going to school. I, I went, the school I went to, I went to purely because it was the best opportunity to, to play right away as a goaltender. Um, but they happened to have exercise science. And the year before I went to college, I had played, I was playing for a junior team in St. Louis and I was beaten up and broken down. So I was in physical therapy during the season. Um, and the physical therapy at the end of the season turned into kind of sports performance training because I had to stay in St. Louis for like an extra month for school. And so I was just like, I was in it. I was training. I, I thought like, oh, physical therapy is really cool. I get to learn about the body. And like, in my mind, like I, it was training, 
um, a lot, a lot because of the, the PT that I was with, like sort of melded PT and performance training together. So again, I didn't even know what SNC was. So I get to college and they happen to have exercise science where I'm at, which again, it's just a fluke. I went there for hockey. If I went somewhere else, I would have gone into finance or something. They had exercise science. I was like, oh, cool. I can do that. And that's how, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, that path can lead to physical therapy. I'm into that. Halfway through uh, my undergraduate, I had done a couple of, you know, volunteer hours here and there in, in PT clinics. Um, and it was like, oh, this is kind of neat, but uh, the clinic setting, I'm not really sure. And one of my professors um, said, well, why don't you do an apprenticeship with me? as the strength coach for our, I think it was our field hockey team at the time. And I was at a small D3 school at the time that we didn't have, like there wasn't an SNC program uh, or coaches or anything like that. So I was like, cool, like I'll do that. He wrote the programs. I kind of coached and like led warmups and did whatever. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Like I like this. And then probably it was probably my summer after junior year, I got connected with coach Boyle. Uh, and he offered me an internship. And again, I still like, didn't really know what all of this was, but I was like, this is really neat. And I, I've heard of this guy. And so I think he's, I should probably take this internship and I did it. And that was where I, that's where I like fell into it and was just like, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. I'm working with athletes. I'm helping them, you know, achieve their goals. I'm coaching, it's training, it's the gym. Um, and I remember asking him one day, I'm like, oh, like, uh, you know, I'm starting to look at PT schools, like, you know, where do you think I should look or like, you know, what's a good program? And he was like, why do you want to go to PT school? I was like, I don't know. I just, that's what I thought I was supposed to be doing. He's like, well, do you want to be a PT or do you want to be a strength coach? And I was like, well, I like this. I, I guess I want to be a strength coach. He's like, then what do you don't go to PT school? <laughs> and so that's kind of, that was my aha moment of like, oh, this is a thing that can be a career and there's a path towards this. And it's a different path than I thought I was kind of on, but it's a similar path. And that's kind of where things started and started to kind of balloon from there. And that's, that was, I guess, the first couple of steps into the, the journey for me. What were you, I know it was because like you were an athlete, so you're like already liked athletics, but what was it about? And maybe this was earlier on or maybe later, maybe it's boils, maybe it's even after that, that you loved about it. Like, what was it about it? You're like, oh, like I could see myself doing this for a long time. Yeah, uh, it's probably a combination of things. I mean, one, like I just in school in in my undergrad at Pittsburgh State, I, you know, I was always I was like a decent student in high school. But I didn't really care. Like I didn't enjoy it that much. So like I got decent grades because I was not super dumb, but like I kind of got through it. I didn't try that hard. I got to college and I just fell in love with exercise science, like learning about the body, anatomy, physiology, biomechanics. I just whatever it was that clicked and I was just into it. So there was that piece, like learning about the human body and exercise and stimulus and adaptation, everything that we learn and then applying it. Um, I, there's probably something in me that's like, I always thought that I was going to be a teacher. So to me, teaching is coaching and coaching is teaching. So I was in a setting where I, that thing was sparked in me where I was, I was coaching a group, a team, and it was very, you know, uh, the, the philosophy, the Boyle philosophy, that, that's a big piece of it is like coaching is teaching. So that spoke to me. Um, I've, I've always enjoyed sort of the, 
the experimentation of training. And that's probably how I sort of moved into the sports science world um, later in my career. Cause I, training was always an experimentation, an experiment to me. It was like, well, you know, if I manipulate things for three weeks on bench press, like, can I add five pounds to my bench or whatever? So that, that science experimentation analytical piece was there. And I think it was just a perfect storm. Also just being in that setting, like the, the crew that we had at boils at the time. Um, I mean, there's probably a dozen of us that have gone on in the sort of the plus or minus two or three year internship class that was there that have gone on to work in pro sports and international soccer and, you know, where, wherever. Um, uh, so it was a, it was sort of a perfect storm of like other like-minded, really driven individuals in the space. So again, it was kind of all of these pieces together that just sort of fell together um, and just really created like a passion or, or opened up a passion in me. And um, yeah. And I just kind of, got fortunate and ran with it from there. Yeah, that's, I, in the last episode that I did with Joe Maloney, who's an NTDP, he also was Boyle, a Boyle guy, but after you, and we, we had a whole conversation about, uh, like the factory that is, that is MBSC and that it has become for NHL strength coaches, which is pretty, pretty crazy. And I think something that I admire both about you and Mike Boyle and a lot of other incredible strength coaches, Anthony Don Scott comes to mind for me with this too, is how interdisciplinary you guys are and how kind of how wide your knowledge is and how from so many different areas you're always looking to draw info like I think um like even if you just go on your Twitter like the the different books you're reading from all different industries and in your your recent interview with Anthony Donskov you said that high performance this is a direct oh no I'm sorry this is your tweet this is your tweet from May 24th high performance is about cross-disciplinary collaboration and then kind of listed and then you listed PTs, ATCs, all these different people who all have to come into one room. Um, so I kind of want to say on this theme of being interdisciplinary, um, what's a skill that you've developed uh, that's important for your role now with the Coyotes? And maybe you can give a little bit of context and how that's different from a traditional strength coach role that has become more important for you in this role. Yeah. Um, so I guess a little context like my my role so i'm the high performance director with the coyotes so what is that um my i'm i'm less of a coach on the floor these days than um than i was when i was a a strength coach um i oversee the performance department so that includes our strength and conditioning coaches or performance coaches as we the terminology we use um our nutrition department um our sports science and then we obviously work hand in hand with our, our medical department. Um, so my role is to, to sort of manage that and direct that group. Um, it's really, it's, it's less about the, the X's and O's of coaching. It's more about creating the systems and the vision for our department. And um, I like to say, it's like um, my job is like, you know, you go to the bowling alley. I, I have two young kids. So when we go to the bowling alley, we have them put the bumpers down in the, in the gutter so they can't throw gutter balls. My job is to put bumpers down so that what we do just stays in the lane. And it's to facilitate and hopefully empower our group and all the people in our group to, to do what they do, just as long as we kind of just stay in the lanes. Just, you know, let's not get too crazy. Um, let's keep things going in the same direction. And so that's kind of my... I guess that's sort of my role in a nutshell. Um, and then I guess my technical role with the organization is really to, to spearhead and manage all the sports science stuff. And again, that's 
it's not me by myself. It's all of us interacting, but that's, if I have like a, every, every one of us has sort of a, a niche area that we're responsible for. And that's, that's mine. So that's what my role is. Um, as we kind of sit here today from a skill set standpoint, I don't know if it's necessarily a skill set, but I think you kind of talked about it earlier is I think this type of role, what's really important is to be able to have a, a general understanding of all of the different roles and a vision for how they can work together. Right. So my job is not to, um, uh, tell the, tell our dietitian. Uh, or our chef or anybody in the nutrition department exactly how to do their job or for me to do their job. It's to create a, a vision and a structure around how I want things uh, done in the bigger picture and then allow them to go do that because they're the experts in their domain. Same thing with our strength and conditioning staff. Um, my role is is to create some framework and some, you know, a big part of that is like key performance indicators and what are the big things we're going to focus on. And then really it's to kind of back up and say, okay, you guys get after it and let me know where you need some help, but I'm tasking you or you're, you're, you know, you're here to be the performance coaches on the floor every day and to, to manage that and think on the fly and do everything that a good performance coach, a good strength coach does. So it's, it's, um, it's really about, um, I think this role, the, the skill set for this role is being a generalist, A, if we can call that a skill set, um, and then B, uh, Honestly, the toughest part sometimes is is stepping away from that and letting everybody else do their job and trying, I'm probably not very good at it if you ask my staff, but trying to not micromanage them, right? Uh, trying to not um, come in and rewrite the training program exactly. It's, it's, I need to be able to look in at what we're doing and say, it's not exactly how I would do it, but I see where we're going. Uh, maybe it's even a better version than I would come up with myself. But I need to be, regardless, I need to be okay with letting my group do what they do within those boundaries that we set. So it sounds like the biggest parts of your job are a lot more managerial and leadership than even like specific, having like certain specific knowledge, probably aside from the sports science stuff, but having like enough knowledge in certain domains. Do you think that, do you think that UMass Law, just like observing you at UMass Law, do you feel like you because it was just you and you were kind of everything that that was a, a great like practical way to develop those general skills because you were kind of strength coach slash nutritionist slash a lot of other things. Yeah. I actually think it was, it was instrumental for me to, to work in that setting where I was a, a one man show and I was empowered to really do those things like the coaching staff that we had at Lowell and just the, the setup where I, hockey was sort of on an island by yourself and you're kind of able to do your own stuff. For me, it was, it was a perfect, it was, again, it was a kind of a perfect storm. Um, I, I could gain experience in all these areas. And again, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not as smart in nutrition as our nutritionist, but I have a general understanding. I certainly am not as uh, good at rehabilitation as our physical therapist, but that I had to do that at Lowell. So like I have a general understanding. Um, so yeah, I think that helped me gain a generalist understanding of all these different areas that I think has been really, really um, important in this role now, because I've got just enough knowledge, just enough understanding. Um, as long as I keep myself in check and step back and let the, the real experts do their jobs, I have enough understanding to, to hopefully kind of guide the ship a little bit uh, and, and just kind of keep things going in, in the right direction for the whole group and, and see that 30,000 foot view.
yeah, you mentioned this twice, this idea of like learning how to step back, which can be very hard for like driven people who are used to being, okay, I'm just going to go do it. Like I'll, I'll take care of it. What has, what frameworks or, or philosophies or, or ideas have helped, have helped you do what's often like for very hard workers, paradoxically much more challenging, which is to take that step back. Because I think it's easy to say, yeah, just take a step back, let them take it. But if you're used to navigating all these things, that can be the hardest part. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. And honestly, I don't know that I do it very well. I think I, I catch myself often probably overstepping, uh, a little bit there sometimes. Um, I, and I probably don't catch myself enough to be honest with you. Uh, cause I do, I, I still love it. Like I love, I love coaching. I love training. I, I love the, the, the science side of like program design. Uh, again, my analytical side kind of loves that. But the things that I think help me are, well, one, uh, a mentor of mine, Fergus Connolly, is the one that told me if and when you get into this type of role, that's exactly what you're going to have to do is be able to look in and see what's happening in a certain area and be okay with not, not, um, not micromanaging. Because, my, again, my job is not head performance coach anymore. My job is director. So I have to let our head performance coach do it his way. Cause he's, he's an absolute craftsman. Um, he's fantastic. So Fergus telling me that and those words ringing true all the time. Um, and then honestly, like trying to be humble enough to check in with, with our group all the time and say, Hey, if I'm, if I'm overstepping, tell me, I want it to be, you know, we want to have an open dialogue here. It's, it's, it's not my way or the highway. Um, so when I get overly excited and I'm stepping on your toes and again, our group is great because we collaborate a lot. We have tons of discussions and we have, you know, heated debate around all kinds of topics and training. Um, and then we come out of the door and this is how we're going to do things. And that's how we roll. So again, I don't know that I have it figured out. It's certainly, um, that's a, it's a tough, it's a tough part of leadership, um, as I'm growing into this role still, but, uh, those are the, those are the ways I try to keep, keep a check on it. Yeah. And, and everyone's growing. Everyone who has a role like yours sounds like they're growing into it because a lot of them are brand new, right? Like they're only like the last few years. So even like the whole SNC performance industry is kind of like just just giving it a go and, and, and testing different stuff out. Yeah, well, especially in hockey, right? Like this high performance model um, and all of the verbiage that comes around that with different positions and stuff is it's much it's uh, it's much more ingrained in in Europe and in Australia and, and even in North American different sports, but it's, it's relative, it's a relatively new construct in the NHL. Um, just as hockey is, you know, the culture is what the culture is. And um, I think we're just still getting up to speed with different constructs from a staff and department standpoint. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, for all of us in the league um, that are in these types of roles, I think it's still, quite new um, and quite new for all our organizations and quite new for the, the other people in the organizations that have been around for a long time. So there's, there's a lot of change going on. And I think, yeah, I think everybody's, everybody's growing and learning kind of on the fly. Another, another part of that tweet is uh, the, the point of that tweet was that you take your whole team and you put everyone in a room. And I imagine the idea is, okay, people with different perspectives, like, push like push back like give us your ideas like give us your brain up and i think like as humans our natural inclination is when someone says something we don't agree with we kind of get defensive and what is challenging is often 
creating that environment or culture where people can feel safe, really, like feel welcomed to push back and give their opinions. And it sounds like that's something that that you've done uh, in Arizona. How did you go about organizing that? Was that like, uh, hey, this is something I think we should do. Um, I think we we could all have re uh, conversations. Uh, maybe what were some of the challenges in making that happen and some of the learnings from those whole whole departmental um, cross collaborations? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cliche to say it, but it's true. It's it's about communication. It's about um, I, one thing that I've learned is it's really from my my seat from my role. It's really really important to be very direct with um roles responsibilities clarification of uh i hate to call it reporting line kind of like whose whose lane is what whose primary responsibilities are what and then whose secondary responsibilities are what um it's important to be really clear with those things so people know okay this is the thing i'm focused on this and that person's focused on that um and then being really clear with uh a sort of a vision and a, and a mission for what we're trying to do as a department. I think it's really easy um, to lose the forest for the trees in this setting and in, in pro sports, especially in season, you're just, it's such chaos. You're playing so many games and the travel and it's just easy to just one foot in front of the other. I'm exhausted. What am I doing today? It's, you know, where's the coffee and okay, we're on the ice and then, Oh, we got to get to the plane and you can lose all that. So having a, having a, a vision and a, a sort of a directive of where we're trying to go as a group is really important because that gives us a North star to work towards. And then it's about communication. So if everybody understands, okay, this is where we're trying to go. Um, these are our overarching sort of key performance indicators and our, our values and our mission and all of these, you know, things. Um, and then, you know, everybody knows, okay, this is sort of my primary lane. This is their primary lane. And then hopefully developing relationships enough that we can say, okay, now that we have lanes and we have a vision, now let's talk. Because maybe, um, you know, our assistant performance coach and reconditioning coach, he might see something in the day-to-day -day training that, you know, he thinks we could do better. And so we he has to be empowered to be able to talk about that. And our head performance coach needs to be, um, uh, you know, needs to be able to trust him that he can hear that and we can have a discussion about it. Um, so, you know, all of these types of things, or like talking about a return to play scenario with our physical therapist or our medical department, um, we need to be able to sit and hash things out and sit, you know, and have disagreements, but again, have a common direction that we all know we're trying to move in. So at the end of the day, these disagreements can be ironed out and we can figure out, okay, agree, disagree, um, whatever it is, when we walk out the door, this is the next step for this individual or for this plan. And it is uh in good faith that it's moving towards whatever our, our vision is our north star yeah i think uh it's also reminded me of conversations we've had in the past about building a team culture in the past that's been like building a culture across the players but now kind of at your role it sounds like you also have to build a culture with all the coaches that like this is something like we do like we come together and we kind of push back uh is there are there any any big differences in building a culture? And it, like, there are a lot of great resources on this that you've seen uh, for building your team, or do you feel like a lot of those like key principles, uh, if you're like just a strength coach, will carry over into like a high performance role? Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm I'm the 
person that <laughs> leader on yeah, the, I'm the expert in, you in, in leadership in that. But leadership, I, uh, no, but I do think I mean uh, that's something that we really, as a as a coaching staff at Lowell, we really prided ourselves on developing this this culture within our organization or within our our team um, in the close to ten years that I was there, um, and we really for formulated a um, an identity for who we were and then the type of player that we would bring in and then the way that we would work with them and train them and on and off the ice. It was all very, um, it, it was all, again, sort of North star. It was all focused on a certain area. Um, I, I think it, I think the principles are the same. Again, I think it's about um, communication. I think it's about outlining a vision, um, remembering to talk about that, bring that back up um, all the time. Um, so that we're all, you know, again, you lose the forest for the trees. So like, let's, let's remember where we're going. Let's remember why we're doing this or, you know, whatever it is. So I think the principles are the same, um, whether it's culture development within, you know, the larger team or our small, you know, performance department team. I think it's the same thing. I just thought I told you, I mentioned, uh, I talked to Joe Maloney, who's at NTDP and he had this crazy story about, um, when he was just a, when he was a midget strength coach before NTDP, he went to a road game with them, which is already like so above and beyond for a strength coach. And um, then like someone saw him who ended up leading to his next job. And it was just one of those. And then he made this joke about like, yeah, well, like I'm, I'm single and just like, all like kind of in my grind phase. And I think this industry often can be viewed as all or nothing. And in, in some respects, obviously you have to put a lot into but something I've noticed in you and that I really admire is that you, you know, you're posting your kids on Instagram and you're clearly like very dedicated to more than just being a, an amazing performance coach. Uh, what are some, what are some ways that you've kind of set boundaries between your personal and professional life? So like, dare I, dare I say, like in, invoke the word, like finding balance. Cause I, at least externally, and you might be in the fire. And it might not be like that, but at least externally, that's kind of, that's something I've, I've observed in you. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, it's always honestly, like, uh, I think the most important job that I have is, is being a dad and a husband. And it, this job is really hard because I, I travel full time with the group and it's, you know, it's everybody that's going to listen to this understands like the hours and the grind and, and what you put into it and whatever. Um, and so honestly, like that can, it, it causes a lot of internal grief and guilt sometimes because I, I do miss stuff, um, which stinks. My, my son is nine and he's starting to play travel hockey and they're going to go to tournaments and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to go. And that's a real bummer. Um, I, so I, I try to be very, very deliberate that when I can be around, when I can be home, that I am um, as much as possible. I try to, I try to make that a point for the rest of our staff. And, and honestly, our, the performance department staff um, are all young and, and either newly married or single. So I'm the only one with kids, but I try to make it very clear that, Hey, like when, when you can go home and, you know, be with your wife or, you know, whatever it might be like do that. Uh, Cause I, I think that that's a really important thing and can get lost in our field because there's times when you can't like there's when we're playing in season, like game days are 18 hours. Like it is what it is. Um, so I try to be very deliberate about it. I'm really fortunate that our, I live like eight minutes from our practice rink and all of the things that my family does are either at the practice rink where they play hockey or at the, the uh, gymnastics gym, which is directly behind it or the rock climbing gym that's directly behind that or the lacrosse fields that are across the street from that. 
so like and our schools around the corner so i'm just super fortunate right now that our whole life is in this three square mile bubble uh which helps me be able to do that like when we're done here today i'll be at work for a little while longer and then i'm just going to walk over to the rink where my son's going to have practice and i'm going to go over there and watch so it's trying to be really deliberate knowing that balance doesn't exist right so it's it's an ebb and flow so when i can be around i'm i try to be fully around as much as possible i don't do a good job of it but i try to put work leave work at work as much as possible at this point my career is very different than you know 15 years ago and that's again the grind phase or whatever i couldn't do that um and i'm still not great at it but it's it's trying to be very deliberate that when i'm dad and husband i am dad and husband and then when i'm at work i'm at work and best i can try to try to uh, differentiate do you uh do you meditate or do you have certain practices you do to to cultivate presence or or mindfulness or anything that comes to mind for you i wish i could say i did i've tried to meditate <laughs> I did. I, i've never it's never it's never worked out for me uh i read a lot um yep. so that's that's probably the, the closest thing i you know uh fortunate here in arizona it's obviously it's most often sunny and warm so it's uh it's nice in the mornings especially in the off season like you know get a cup of coffee before everyone's up and go sit outside and read a book uh, by our pool and take in a couple of early morning sun rays that's kind of my my mindfulness i guess yeah you, you kind of are a, a voracious reader and it, it is pretty impressive when we think about both your job and and being a parent and a husband is that the key is, or is that the routine for you? Is it, wait, is it like find that time earlier in the day? How do you, how are you structuring your, your own personal, both personal growth and also sounds like it's something you just love to do and love that space. Yeah. I think it's an ebb and flow. I, I, uh, I'll go through periods where I'm, I'm really, really like I'm, I'm reading a ton and I wake up early and it just seems like first thing I can, I do is I'll go and sit with my book and, or at night. Um, and then I'll go through, you know, whatever, a couple of weeks where my brain doesn't want to do that. And I'm going to watch stupid Netflix shows and relax or whatever. So it's kind of an ebb and flow, but I mean, with this job, that is one thing with all the travel, like a lot of times, a lot of time on, on planes and buses and in hotel rooms. So kind of spend a lot of time reading that way. Um, so that's kind of the biggest thing I, I have in flow, like anything else in life, but um, it's always, I've always been a reader. So it's just something that, that, uh, I enjoy and comes naturally. Yeah. Are there any, I asked this to Chad Drummond and, and he kind of, it was a really good answer in the end, but it, I, I did kind of put him on the spot. Uh, are there any parenting lessons that you've learned that have carried over into coaching where you've, you've had, you've dealt with something as a parent and then maybe a day, a week, a month, a year later, you're like, you know what, this is just like, what I said to Finn here, and it totally applies to to this situation at work. Because yeah, I think man. I'm gonna I'm gonna stall to give you more time. Um, I I think about what you said about one of the Boyle philosophies, which is that uh, coaching is teaching and teaching is coaching. And I think in a lot of respects, like I'm not Adam, I'm 24, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But I, I can imagine that there are a lot of parallels in like the the learning, the teaching process, um, the parenting process, the coaching process, and the teaching process. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is, is I think having kids has helped me, I, <laughs> I struggle with it with my kids, but I think it's helped me, uh, see the bigger picture and not get 
overwhelmed or or overly um i don't know out of line with with the minutiae if something slightly you know if something goes slightly wrong or isn't done you know perfectly or isn't you know whatever just little stuff that would that would um bug me in the day-to-day in the past before kids i mean listen if if your kids on any given day you know pick up 45 percent of the crap that they leave out like that's a pretty good day you know so like and that drives me (laughs) so like being able to like step back and be like all right like yeah i know the waste baskets right there and there's 12 water bottles laying right around it that guys you could have just tossed that right in the trash but that's all right i'll get it no big deal uh probably would have rubbed me a lot more in the past than it does now just because i'm a little a little bit more used to uh to dealing with that chaos at home that was awesome all right i'm I'm done i'm done putting you on the spot for hard like parenting and life questions we can go back to snc stuff uh i'll give you nice. again you. We, we, yeah we were just talking about books so are there uh there are any are there two books i'd encourage one snc related and one non-snc related that you've had not necessarily that you loved or read it could be but maybe one that you read and then were driven to have conversations about it with colleagues uh i'm gonna give you some brainstorms from your recent Twitter. So like digital body language, I saw an astronaut's guide to life on earth, uh, the premier league way. Um, it doesn't have to be a book could be an idea course or podcast, just something that's like kind of in the top of mind for you and that you're having conversations about with colleagues or that you're just thinking a lot about. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know what, I'm reading one right now. I just actually just started it. Um, and I think Mike Boyle recommended it but it's called unreasonable hospitality. And, uh, it's been, it's already, I don't know, I'm 50 pages in and it's already completely yellow with highlighter remarks. It's written by a guy that, that worked or still works maybe in the, um, the restaurant industry. And he, uh, at least thus far in the book, he came up, uh, in the union square hospitality group in New York city, which is a collection of restaurants that are, um, have become very famous, uh, especially for their, customer service and hospitality and their philosophy and how they uh, interact with their patrons. And I've read a few books um, from this group and from the owner um, and, and about them. There's, it's a whole sort of niche industry now talking about them, but um, it's just, again, this role or the, not necessarily this role, but the job at the NHL level is so much about salesmanship and creating relationships Um and that's what hospitality is all about. So I haven't necessarily talked about it a whole bunch with the group just because I'm sort of mid book, but already I'm uh, reading this book. There's just so many takeaways and just golden nuggets on, you know, how you treat people and how you interact with people and, and how that creates upstream effects on buy-in and, and culture and all of these things. Um, that's been really good. And then there's another book that I've read recently called uh, How to Build a Car. And I can't think of the author's name, but um, if, if you're into Formula One at all uh, or cars or whatever, um, it's a really interesting book. But it's also really interesting from an uh, analytical engineering system standpoint to me. So it's written by a guy who was a longtime engineer and one of the top car builders basically in Formula One for decades. And um, it's, it's an autobiography, but it, it talks a lot about, um, from a layman's perspective. Um, yeah, Adrian Newey, I believe is the, the author's name. 
it talks a lot about just how he developed systems and structures with all these different car companies and how that led to these things and how it didn't work in this, these ways and lessons he learned. And so that's another one that there's a lot of great takeaways um, just for our, our S&C field in general on, on, you know, how to create structure and systems and repeatability and, and then how to navigate the realities of human nature and different people and people coming from different cultures and all that stuff. So those are two, two books that have been really interesting lately. When the, when the hospitality book is, what, what do you think about saying like you, you should treat players like customers in a way? Is that like, that's kind of what I'm interpreting uh, based on your description. Is that kind of like one of the big things? Like, how do you, because they kind of are in a lot of ways. Yeah, they're, it's, it's interesting. They're, they're, it depends. It depends <laughs> on, it depends on who they are. Uh, it's so interesting at the pro level because there's so many other facets to who these guys are and your relationships with them and how long have they been with the organization with you and or are they a new guy that just you know we just they just signed that came from Slovakia that's never been in North America versus a prospect kid that's 19 playing junior college versus you know uh, you know a superstar that's got his own whole group of you know people as as you know people around him um everybody is just so different but i think that idea of like hospitality and meeting people where they're at and connecting with them that's a big piece is like connecting with them um and and creating value uh in yourself to them like it's a big you got to sell yourself the program is the program it can be the best or worst program on paper but um if the guy doesn't really buy into you um or whatever like it's not going to matter um so it's about meeting people kind of where they're at um you know there's a great story in that book about uh when the the author he he took over as general manager at um one of the the union square restaurants and um it he he instituted he brought the policy from another restaurant that um if uh a patron ever you know says they need to go put money in the uh in the parking meter because they, they parked on the street or whatever, or the, or the, the waiter ever thinks that that's what's happening. They automatically, the staff automatically goes out and throws three quarters in the parking meter. And it's like three quarters or whatever, 75 cents. It's a buck who cares, but it's such a, uh, an enlightened, um, informative, uh, action by the restaurant for the patron that that automatically creates an unbelievable experience that night. And then they automatically are now a massive fan of the restaurant and they're going to come back for years. And it's just finding these areas that you can, you can create value for people um, that will then come back again, come back in spades uh, down the road. And that's what, that's what you have to try to find here at this level is like really, and it's different with every, with everybody. Sometimes it's, it's um, finding value by, you know, getting to know the guy and talking about his family and his kids and, you know, whatever. And sometimes it's valued by, you know, kicking a guy in the butt a little bit, if that's the right personality and the right path. And it's, it's just, it's very interesting. Everybody's a little bit different. Are there any other, you gave a few examples, so this might bomb and I might cut it, but are there any other like parking meter examples that you've, you've found in that, in trying to think in your job? Oh, in, in, in my job here. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost, that's kind of, it's one of the fun things. It's like, it's like every day, even with a, you know, a guy 
you know, everybody's, everybody's going to have different personalities and temperaments and interests in training and outside interests. And, you know, that's one thing that's so different about working at this level than the college level is like, is, is every, you know, everyone you're working with here, they're grown adults and they have other, you know, other stuff. Sometimes it's, they have family and sometimes it's other business interests. And sometimes it's, it's who knows what it is. Um, but so different than working with, with kids in college, even though sometimes they're the same age, like our young guys might be the same age as our players at Lowell. Um, but it's just such a different, you know, so every single guy is a little bit different and it's getting, you know, again, it's cliche, but it's getting to know them, um, getting to know who they are, creating trust, um, building relationships with people so that you can, you can figure out what those things are, you know, and, and again, it's going to be a little bit different with everybody. Uh, I don't have a concrete kind of example, but it's, you know, it's knowing helps, you know, when to push, when to pull back, when to chirp a guy, when hey you better not chirp that guy right now. And, you know, all those different, you know, different types of things that you kind of learn along the way. Well, Devin, always a pleasure. I didn't ask a single sports science question. Um, are there, <laughs> is there, and you did for people who aren't as familiar with Devin, he, he did write a book on sports science. So if you want to hear his thoughts on that, there is that. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to leave leave the audience with? Any any other parting words? <laughs> uh, no, I just really appreciate it. I mean, first and foremost, it's great to catch up. If anybody listening to this doesn't know, David was one of my uh, my first interns at uh, UMass Lowell, so we go way way back. Yeah, uh, it's great to see you doing so well. And uh, um, yeah, outside of that, I just appreciate the time. It's always good to catch up and good to talk shop and you uh, too. talk about books a little bit. It's crazy, man. It's been five years. No, it's been four years. It's been four years. It hasn't been five years, but four years it's still uh, flies by. Yeah. You're, I think Finn was going into kindergarten when I was there. So, <laughs> he's a lot bigger now. He's, yeah. I he's bet he's almost getting, as big as me. Wow. Yeah. So he's, he's growing. That's, that's crazy. Um, well, thanks, Devin. Always a blast. And uh, I, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. If you guys uh, want to hear more from Devin, I'll, I'll put all our past episodes. I'll put, a um, bunch of his articles on the site and he's also done some other recent episodes his episode with Anthony Donscott that he did uh, this spring was also really good so would definitely recommend people people check that out appreciate it good to talk buddy thanks Deb thank you so much for listening to this episode as always you can find links to everything discussed at the show notes at the official website of SCAP ProHockeyStrength.com we'll talk soon